Unleashing the rising billions. Disrupting tradition. Always be closing. Gaining exponential wisdom from street smart strategies. I dream the kind of dreams that other people said would not be possible. Free your mind. Nothing happens till something moves. I'm a big fan of going all in on your strengths. Create your blue ocean. Innovation and collaboration with competition. Do you want to sell sugar water for the rest of your life? Or do you want to come with me and change the world? Creating uncontested market space. I worry that people don't tap into their strengths. Wealth creation and a new economy entrepreneur. And there is a very thin dividing line between success and failure. Witnessing unprecedented technology. You can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold Show with Christopher Cumby and Alan Witch. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold. I'm here with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch is in the house. What is going on, my friend? I'm in the house. I'm happy. I'm looking outside, and right before we came on, it was rainy, but now the sun is shining through, and I've had to move my blinds, so... That's a good sign. I'm doing really great, Christopher. How are you doing today? Great. Great. Really great. Great, great, great. (laughs) Excellent. If one great is good, two greats are better, right? Is that how it works? There you go. There you go. Listen, uh, really excited uh, today. Um, As you know, Thursdays, uh, when our normal recording days. Uh, They're exciting just in general because we get to reach out to some amazing people, doing some really cool things and, you know, always pulling out and extracting some good wisdom. So this is a good time to open up your journals um, or if I was to say uh, your freedom journal or your mastery journal, uh, if JLD uh, wants to hear this one, just a little plug there for you. Uh, Anyway, the... uh, you know, just really excited. Uh, let's 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 get on with the show, Alan. I love it. We've you know we have the privilege of of having uh, not only people out in the community, but friends and collaborators on our show too. And our guest today is is uh, actually all three, and uh, we've known her for a while now. Actually, doing some uh, some collaboration with him on a couple different venues, so that's exciting. But uh, he brings a really unique twist to businesses. I mean, he's a brand architect and a philanthropist, and mixing those two together is a really unique, uh, really unique expression, and really helping to teach companies how to use their indigenous wisdom, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, because he and I had a great talk over a beer at a bar in, in uh, New Orleans that I want to get to a little bit later. But uh, he, he's, he's great. He works with a lot of companies all over the world. He's traveled, lived all over the world. He's got a really unique uh, life experience from a bunch of different cultures, and uh, he's woven that into his offerings to companies, and it's really spectacular. So without further ado, Jared Angaza, welcome to Think Bold, Be Bold, my friend. Hey, thanks so much for having me, guys. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on the show, and uh, yeah, I've been listening to the show for a long time, so it's really cool to be on it now. There you go. Well, we, we are appreciate glad that. to have you. Yes. So let's get into the journey because I always love understanding why you're doing what you do 
and and what you do. You know, what is a brand architect for one? You know, for our audience listening in. You know, and then you know, how did that journey create where you are? Because it's always fun to understand. You know what motivates people. It's uh, really driven people to go, uh, especially where they are. And uh, and then we'll talk about all the other things uh, after Jared about where you're going and, and what's going on. So why don't you bring us through uh, a small journey of time? Right on. Uh, I've had a, a, a rather uh, eclectic, robust journey, as as you two fellows know. But I'll share a little bit of that here. Um, I I started out as an activist. Uh, you know, my in my teen years, doing a lot of American Indian movement uh, activism and so on, and equal rights and racial equality, gen, uh, gender equality, economic equality, mostly focused on equality. <laughs> and I did that. Uh, very passionately uh, since I was a kid and, and still to this day, I'm, I'm still very actively involved. And that journey led me to doing uh, quite a bit of uh, um, philanthropic activities in the United States. And I was all over the U.S. I worked on a lot of projects here. I did disaster relief stuff like in Katrina and all that. That had a big impact on me. And it was really after, I guess it was right after Katrina. It was in 2005 or something. I because of that experience, it was pretty transformative for me in what I experienced down there five days after the hurricane. And I I realized I was ready for living a different life, living a more raw, connected kind of life, connected to nature and, and more, uh, actually, funny, being a brand guy, I wanted a little less of a branded society and a little more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, and there goes the struggle. I love That's it. That's right. Which, funny enough, led ass. me into branding, <laughs> so I'll get to that. But um, uh, Tangled Web. But, I, yeah, I did, I did the relief work there, and then I ended up working for uh, – I was doing some projects for Tom Ritchie and Rick Warren. Uh, Tom Ritchie's mountain bike guy, Rick Warren, big pester out in California. And they were doing projects in Rwanda. I knew Africa well because of my studies and so on. These guys, and I knew how to run businesses, and and I was doing project development for these guys anyway. And they said, "Hey, would you like to go over and make it real for like a while?" <laughs> and I said, "Sure." So I went over. I went to Rwanda. I was there for five years. I ran multiple projects. The the, the big one was uh, creating the bicycle race, annual bicycle race, there for Tom to bring more positive, you know, uh, spotlight on the country. Love it. And then to, you know, that was kind of the first investment in my, in my mind about the power of the storytelling, because I, I was telling a different story. And that was the agenda was, I said, look, if we're going to do this, we need to try to transform this, that, you know, the, the image of this tiny little country here from 1994 genocide to what it is today, which is very, very, sure. very it's probably the safest, cleanest place in Africa, period. Um, so I, it was, it was that, that was kind of the pivot there and then I, I ended up working with women in, that were being trafficked and helping them get out of that and creating income generation. We created a fashion label, ethical fashion label. Before there was one on every block, that was ten years ago, and um, that that really was my shift in saying like I'm going to focus just on 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 the brand architecture and and unfolding that. And you know, then I've worked up. Where I ended up working for United Nations and the State Department and USAID and all these other organizations from all over the world, um, both between Rwanda and, and Kenya for the most part. Between the two places, I was there for about a decade. And it had wow. a tremendous you know, impact on my perspective. And I've sure. 
then transferred that over into other people's perspective quite a bit since then. So that, that's a bit of the, the journey. I did five, 10 years in Africa, two years in Costa Rica, uh, which was a very different journey of healing and yoga and meditation on the beach. <laughs> and then uh, – sounds, like, uh, sounds like my style. Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, and I do, I do more of that focus now too. Uh, but I'm uh, in Nashville at the moment. Uh, we've been here for about a year and a half, and we're about to make another move. So uh, that's uh, a little nomad. I love, it. I love so what's maybe headed? in the cards, maybe in the cards. Says, Daddy, I'm bored. We've been in this house for too long. <laughs> I said, <laughs> I love your style. <laughs> I had a question for you. I want to go back to what you said about living in, in uh, you know, what all, many people might consider third world countries and the lifestyle and teaching through storytelling. Tell us a little bit about what it was like to live in Rwanda, because I don't think that the average listener has any, I, I know I don't, have any idea of what it's like for a lifestyle for somebody in a developed country to be able to live in what might be considered the underdeveloped country and how life actually continues and grows and, and things happen there just like they happen here but it's at a different pace maybe at a different scale and maybe with a different focus can you fill us in on that absolutely yeah the, I mean traveling in general has been huge just for transforming my perspective of the world you know the lens that I see through as, as you guys know and in Rwanda was a, a unique specimen, even amongst those other places that I've lived. Uh, it is a very, you know, there was a genocide, right? So you have to think about like what led up to that, <laughs> and then where, how are they, you know, coping with that, transforming their perspectives, moving on from that, uh, sort of turning into a bit of a different society as a result of that, and so on, over the last, you know, twenty, twenty or so years. So. It is a, you know, the, you you don't say things in public in coffee shops and whatnot like you would here in the States very freely. You don't have that kind of freedom of speech. And uh, you have to be very mindful of a lot of things uh, and how you conduct yourself uh, such that you don't get yourself into trouble. And, you know, when you have a, a country that's that's swung the pendulum over to genocide, you have to kind of swing the pendulum back over almost to sort of an authoritarian scenario to try to get get some things in place and then hope to find that middle ground again. I would say they're still coming back from that pendulum swing. And my hope is that they continue back into the middle. However, that, that has not happened yet and there's still some fear it may go the other way. But there's a all of that creates kind of a tension in society that you have to adapt to as an expat, you know, somebody living there from outside the country. Um, you, uh, community is different, uh, you know, and, the, and the, there's the temptation and the ease of just flowing into the expat community. It's, you know, a bunch of white folks from the U.S. or the U.K. or whatever, and we're all together and we kind of create our own little sub-society, subculture there. And I didn't want to do that. So I rolled out to the village and, and lived in the village and hung out with the village people and did all that kind of stuff, uh, which helped our projects to thrive and really brought me more joy and fulfillment. But then there was also a dance on the other side that I had to navigate. So it's this weird thing that I, I don't find that I have to navigate much of that here in the United States, for instance. But there, there was a constant dance of what we have to do to get things done and what we have to do to stay with the culture that we are here to serve and so on. We have that on micro levels in the states, I think, but it's certainly exacerbated there. What about the human spirit, though? You know, people just being with people. You know, there's obviously that tension, you know, and you got to balance and toe the line if you want. But you know, you lived in the villages. What was sort of every day, and you know, what was the feeling of 
of um, of giving or happiness or uh, even the other you know side of things you know sadness anger um, you know what was the human spirit like? Well, there's I mean a, a few sides of that and and maybe I'll start the heavy side first and then move to the bright. <laughs> uh, okay, but, sounds good. Yeah, we'll, we'll end good on good transition. That. Good transition. Uh, I'm a brand guy. Uh, so we looked at that, or and, and looking at that, analyzing that situation, that the the society while I was there, which obviously, again, as a brand person, as a philanthropist, and and so on, I'm always analyzing the people that I'm around, uh, in in any situation, and there, man, it, it was really, yeah, it was heavy for me being, you know, I'm a very empathetic guy, and and I don't have trouble getting into someone else's shoes and kind of trying to experience, have a visceral kind of experience of their situation as, as much as possible. Um, sure. And it, which can be a blessing and a curse, man. I had a, a lot of tears <laughs> in that situation because of that. Um, but, it, it, you know, and it was very heavy, but it was also very life-giving at the same time to be so closely connected with humanity, uh, the rawness of that, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. And so I learned a lot about that, but and then, you know, in navigating that space, and that was difficult to understand how to do that, you know, well, and then and without getting depressed, also. So, on the flip side of that, though, I also learned about, and this this was kind of all across East Africa, um, how to slow down, how to be here now, how to, you know, all these things that we study. You know, we're we're busy business people all the time, and then we very read. very cliche. Yes. Yeah. To say, but you were, yeah, definitely accurate and mindful, and so on. And and there, you don't have to read a book, man. <laughs> Just go out there and live, and 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 life around you will say, hey, if you don't do this, you're you're going to be miserable. Um, but when yes. you can kind of step back and just appreciate what is here, and and man, you know, the one thing that was interesting, you know, the power goes off all the time, especially in Rwanda. You know, so in the middle of a presentation or a speech or whatever, and the power goes off, it may not come on for two days. <laughs> it's not like a minute, you know, it, it, it could be days. Um, so, you know, you find yourself in a room and, you know, we had a lot of parties, like gatherings and things like that. That's that's what you do when you live in another country because it, it brings you all together. <laughs> uh, it's that community, community thing. But when we did that, we had, uh, yeah, we just, we, we'd be in the middle of something and then all of a sudden the power goes out and you're like, oh, right. And then, well, we were it's a 50 people in a room, we can't see each other now. And things change, and you have conversations you wouldn't ever have. Uh, you know, I wonder what would happen in the States if that happened. It's like all of a sudden you turn around, and you're like, oh, there's humans beside me that I could connect with. <laughs> Which we forget about sometimes because we're like thinking about our next sales pitch. We're thinking about our, you know, how we're going to be on top of it or, or how we're going to be recognized or seen or whatever. And all those things kind of fall away when you're in a different situation. So I, I really love that about the the developing world. And that, and again, that speaks to kind of that raw lifestyle that really keeps you on your toes. And, you know, if you want something, you got to you gotta really want it, man. You can't just flip a button or, you know, click it on Amazon and it's at your house in 24 hours or whatever. You have to go work for it. And I like that. <laughs> uh, so, you know, and I think there's there's a balance, you know, we don't we don't have to go back to the Stone Ages by any means. But I appreciate what those experiences have done to my perspective and and the peace that it's brought me. I see a lot, a lot of situations in business where people get really strung out about stuff or tense and stressed out or whatever, and I don't typically because I'm just like, man, you, you got to keep your eye on the ball here. <laughs> Look at the bigger picture. It's not just sure. about this little thing that might be happening this afternoon. <laughs> uh, and that helps a lot. 
in that culture, do you think it's possible that as as they start to, to grow and become, I don't want to use the word commercialized, but maybe that's the right word for growth, you think they'll lose that culture of that being able to pivot and really truly understand and accept and be in the moment with the people around them? Do you think they'll lose that because of the technology, or is it so ingrained in what they do that technology will be an asset, will be an ad, but it won't change the culture of how we operate? That's a very good question, Alan. Thank you. Um, I, man, it's, it's tough. For the sake of this discussion, let's move it to Kenya. I'll just leave it. situation. So looking at Kenya, I mean, there, you know, there's like, was it 54 tribes, I think? Uh, so there's all these tribes and you do, there's a serious wow. situation with tribalism and, you know, we have in the States, you know, we, we, we pick on which party we are on, you know, and, and we say, oh, well, if it goes this way or that way, it's, it's this, uh, partisan scenario, but <laughs> there's 54, man. Uh, so you don't, that's a lot of personalities. It's you're hard to get a quorum on anything. Right? You don't get momentum because, uh, which is tough when you're trying to work on civil society situations, which is what I was there to do. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that, I think that, that what you're talking about is a real danger. Absolutely. Anywhere. And, and, and certainly in Kenya and you know, East Africa. Uh, however, I do believe that there is a much stronger dynamic of kind of that community. We take care of each other, uh, vibe than what we have in the States. Mm -hmm. We're a bit more fractured in that, in that way. I, I think that there if we're just doing a comparison for the sake of discussion, I think they're probably less prone to having that dynamic happen in society of the kind of the watering down of the culture than we are here. Uh, and we think about the States, we're a melting pot of different cultures, it's still kind of forming our own culture. As where in Kenya, it's always been that culture. I mean, there, there's a shift during colonialism, but it, a lot of it still has carried on. So I hope that they find ways to... Uh, to find harmony with the with the technology that's coming in, and in Nairobi is I mean Nairobi is the hot spot for that. I mean it is it's like mm -hmm. the New York City of uh, of that region, and yeah, I hope that they can balance it out. There, there's been some messy episodes already, but it is there are some really beautiful things happening. There's co-working spaces that I, you know that I hung out a lot. There's creative agencies there, one of which I created that's still going, and bringing in the idea of brand architecture and what that actually is mm -hmm. rather than just marketing and so there's some cool things happening, and when we were there with my agency, we really put a it was a we use it as a teaching facility to teach other creatives as well, and to really bring the humanity into it and the and to really showcase and value the culture. Mm -hmm. Just look here, we're the tech creative, you know, cool. We're the big agency in town, whatever, and we're really focused on humans and how we interact and community and whatever. That was not what we were seeing at the top of the food chain prior to that, and I'm. I'm you know, grateful to have been part of uh, some of that shift. How do you do brand transmission in a country where the technology isn't as easy making that job easier? Here we have all sorts of social media technology, and like you said, Amazon, we can push a button. We push a button and stuff happens, right? How do you, say, how do you have brand transmission of an idea, a thought, or a movement in a country that doesn't have that kind of connectivity? Well, it's not, now that depends on where you're at. So th there are places all over East Africa that fit exactly that situation that you're describing. Kenya is different. Rwanda actually is 
well on its way in in that regard. But for instance, in Kenya, they, uh, it's been a few years since I've done the numbers on this, but back when I was at the agency, we were we talked about this a lot. Suffice it to say, they have a higher rate of uh, social media usage than we do in the United States, mm -hmm. which is wow. nuts, especially Facebook. That Facebook is the deal there. Uh, so you can gain a lot of traction through Facebook in Kenya. They run political movements through Twitter, <laughs> as you've seen in the news. Uh, <laughs> So they, they leapfrogged, man. They never had, you know, right. desktop computers. Right. They, they just jumped. They, they didn't yeah, have a fax machine. They didn't have power lines. It makes or, a ton of sense. Yeah. yeah it's it's exactly a leapfrog. Yeah. Yep. It's exactly a leapfrog. You know, if you think of it, Iceland, I mean, they never had train tracks. Mm. They had planes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we, we, you know, completely skipped over that. And um, as technology is being uh, introduced to developing countries, we know that that'll be the case more and more. And, you know, what's exciting about, you know, developing countries as well is there's just, you know, vast amount of, uh, you know, knowledge out there that just needs to be, you know, tapped, tapped into. Mm -hmm. And the exciting part of, you know, the entrepreneurial backbone of, you know, economies. And did you see a lot of that starting to form? Um, you know, I, I know there's probably a lot more movement now, but did you see a lot of the entrepreneurial uh, formation happening, you know, from the time you started to where you, you know, maybe came back to the United States? Um, and, and what's your thoughts around that part of it? Yeah, I mean, the, there's an interesting dynamic with that, too. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm just I'll use I'm using Kenya as the model here. It's easier. Sure. <laughs> but the, they, you know, the entrepreneurialism is the norm as we're getting a mm. quote, real job is pretty tough there are few of those available i remember when i was in rwanda at the time that i was talking about this this would have been like seven years ago or so but they they said uh, the, the statistic at that time was 72 percent unemployment i mean that's outrageous uh so it, it, i think it's less than that now but it, it's similar around that region and so what you have is you know the street vendors and and those guys are entrepreneurs right mm -hmm. and everybody's an entrepreneur. Sure. So it's an interesting scenario. You go to you know a place like Kenya, it's like well everyone's an entrepreneur there, but here's where it looks like, and it isn't necessarily the same. There are some some differences. There's some things that we can benefit from learning. Absolutely. Uh, there's some things like there's some tools that have been speaking of tools like what you were talking about, Alan, that, that, that with the social media, there are some tools there like with mobile payments. Like if you if I needed to send you ten bucks or a thousand bucks, I could just do it right here on my cell phone real quick. Now I realize we can do that a little bit more in the last year or two in the states, but that's really new. As where before, and and it is a different system. They have an SMS system. It is much quicker than what our systems are, even with PayPal and Google Pay and things like that. So wow, interesting, interesting. They were ahead of us on that. I, I was looking in a, I know what was it? Um, I think it was uh, Peter Diamandis's Bold. Uh, his his book uh, was it bold or abundance? It might have been abundance. He he talks about the Impesa, which is the mobile payment, and how it's just transformed that region and so on. Uh, anyway, so it was cool to hear that because I was involved in all those discussions back in the day. But they do have some unique tools. There's kind of a unique uh, path and methodology that's coming out of that region for the entrepreneurial path now that wasn't there before that has just kind of transpired over the last three or four, uh, maybe five or six years, I guess. Uh, so there, it is a different environment. It's a different entrepreneurial environment, entrepreneurial environment. But you also have to realize too that a lot of it is 
is very much rooted in, in uh, desire for survival. Like if you don't make it mm-hmm. there, you're done. Like done. Yeah. yeah. There's there's yeah. no yeah. there's no it's social options. Yeah. Right. No. You don't have the yeah. There's you're, no you're, infrastructure that's going to take care of you. Exactly. Yeah. So it it is different there. It's a bit. So it's more, a hustle. It's it's yeah. hustle, and and consequently, you do get a bit more uh, aggressiveness. <laughs> so, sure. Um, Over, overzealous. Yeah, overzealous. trying to survive, right? You're, yeah, right. overzealous might be a better way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> the overzealous hustler. Maybe yeah, but there, there's some beautiful, beautiful stuff going on all over the region, or all over Africa, really. But um, you know, you, with the good, and there's there's the the crazy for sure, and I experienced a lot of that. But there's some really innovative stuff that we. I think there's been a pivot over about the last five years, where now there's stuff that's coming out of Africa that the rest of the world is saying, "Ooh, we should adopt that." Which was not sure. the case prior, you know. We were yeah, it's always just like, "What do we teach them?" And I'm like, "Well, maybe we should start listening." <laughs> yeah, and 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 great point. You know what I, I believe. You know, based on where things are are going to continue to uh, to go with connectivity, uh, knowledge, um, education, you know, infrastructure. It's only a matter of time before you know another country starts to challenge. The tech, you know, that has gone on, you know, especially in let's say developed countries for for that. So that's really interesting. That you know, maybe the next, you know, billion, 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 maybe trillion, uh, you know, dollar company will uh, will be evolved from in, in some of these developing and uh, and and shaping those nations uh, is is really exciting to see what's what's happening. It's always interest it interests me because I traveled as well. And, you know, looking at the culture and looking at how, you know, to your point, slower paced or even in some cases, depending on where I was, uh, a lot more fast paced. Like when I was in Europe or in the Eastern Bloc, like no one looks at each other and no one talks to each other. It's just go. It's go time. And that was a very different. So um, just, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's always in our culture is uh, something you know, that's really interesting, and I, I, I love to sit back and, you know, people watch a lot and see what, you know, I can learn from that and, and, and certainly um, more of the uh, probably closet hippie that I am just, you know, trying to uh, see, uh, you know, the frequency or the vibration or the harmony, yeah. and I think that plays a huge uh, role. So, you know, as people um, and, and these developing countries get more infrastructure, you talked about electricity, we take it for granted here. Uh, definitely developed if it's out for like an hour it's like oh my god what are we going to do we need to you know uh, <laughs> take care of all these precautions and everything else that uh, you know a lot of people just live with daily so um, in, in water again well. yeah there's yeah water I mean mm-hmm. those are always normal clean water. like gold yeah clean those water. who hold the water hold control oh that's yeah that's another big uh, discussion yeah. to get into but you're, sure, you're sure. totally right on that yeah yeah yeah. Well, in different uh, innovative ways, and, and really excited to see how people have to handle that. And uh, certainly, um, innovation comes from how they had to handle that, right? I mean, we had to figure those things out as well. And that's how innovation happens is, you know, how do we do it better? And how can, you know, more people do it around the world in, uh, in less costs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how do, we, how do we help them? You know, because it's uh, some of these countries, you know, you don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and it's and and it's very few that do, uh, you know, and and very few have opportunities to travel 
So, um, but the internet is here and, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. you know, what we're doing right now and connectivity and having mm -hmm. conversation. Um, I, I love that part of where technology can bring connection, human connection, even though we can't be in the same room. Um, this feels pretty good. This is a yeah. good alternative. Maybe the goggles next. Maybe we're able to just, you know, walk around and augment everything and yeah. be in a different country. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that, in the sure. VR scenario, as VR you, stuff, you discussed yeah. as well. I, yeah, it's an interesting scenario because, you know, I'm like, just give me a beachfront with a teepee and I'm cool. Like, <laughs> personal desire, more of the selfish side. But, <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I care about humans, right, and our planet. And, and because of that, I'm looking at these other things like VR, and there's some cool guys. Yeah. Stanford uh, has has done some big experience on, uh, experiments on building empathy through the VR, which is mm. seems very ironic and also sort of beautiful. And I think we can we we need bridging techniques to bring people. Well, what you can conceive, you can believe, right? And if mm -hmm. you can see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it, whatever that case may be, mm -hmm. it becomes more real, right? And because that relationship becomes more real. Because right now we have sound and sight, mm -hmm. and that's all. Yeah. We don't have the feel. We don't have the touch. We don't have the environment. Yeah. And, you know, VR is going to help provide that. But so is the next level, which is going to be something along the lines of, of you know, projection. Right. Without, yes. without that and be able to project yourself physically in a room where you can reach out and touch without the goggles. And I'm excited about that. I just want to jump right to that. I know we can't do that yet, but that's a, but that's an exciting piece that I see happening, and it gives you a real unique experience. And maybe we'll have the senses involved in that too, as well. Mm -hmm. We'll have to wait and see, but absolutely, it's a it's a cool environment. I'm going to go back real quick to to something I talked about, um, if you don't mind, Chris, when we were uh, when I introduced you about indigenous wisdom. You and I sat in a bar at uh, when we were in New Orleans, and we were talking. And it was about 11:30, and you brought yeah, up in the indigenous bar? wisdom. We were in the bar. We were where, in the bar. Where was I? Actually, I think you were in the bar <laughs> down a ways. <laughs> you were talking with well, different bars. Just for the record, I was talking to a straight tonic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just for the record, it was a good That is a good record. We were chatting, and it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it, but we were getting into pretty heavy discussion. You were talking about yeah. indigenous wisdom and what that really means, and and I think that's a, a really a key piece when it comes to really understanding culture and being able to market and 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 brand a culture is by understanding their wisdom. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I've studied the indigenous cultures, kind of the the wisdom tradition, the you know, the wisdom of the sages, you know, all those, whatever you want to frame it, all my life. And I've always been intrigued, you know, from a spiritual standpoint and then from a, uh, a branding standpoint. Like, you have to understand cultures. You have to understand where people are coming from. And, why, like, why do people think the way that they think in this particular region or in this particular genre of business or whatever? Like, what led them here? Uh, those elements have always been very important to me. And then... You know, and I've studied all kinds of gurus and sages throughout the years, and I've studied a lot of Eastern philosophy, uh, starting when I was a teenager, I guess, again. And the it's so interesting when we find this stuff. It's funny, we, we call it like new thought or the new age or whatever, mm. but it's all based on stuff that was, you know, talked about thousands of years ago. So it's not, it's really just kind of like... <laughs> Getting constituted, yeah, oxymoron. It's oxymoron. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's really old, but I got this new thought. 
Yeah, new thought. it's new that we're gonna use it today. <laughs> That's what's new about it. I think I think it's the well. I mean, you know, branding, marketing. I mean, I think it's the biggest word, new. You know, it's top five words to use. You know, to get people's attention, right? It's like new. Yeah. It's like whoa, this is new, but. Wow, it's like written in you know the 1700s. That's amazing. I just watched you know, a presentation this... that my dad did last night of a podcaster event here in Nashville, and he talked about the power of your voice or whatever, and the, the whole Earl Nightingale scenario. Nightingale Conan. Right. Is, he has yeah. the 33 and a third vinyl. I love it. Nice. Yeah. And he uh, he talked about that and all these different people that have. Uh, you know, Zig Ziglar and, and, and these people that I grew up listening to, consequently, because sure. my father. And and then he talked about those voices. You know, we're, we're listening to clips from the 20s and 30s and 40s and, and that we're listening to now and the power of our voice and the, how it carries on. But again, it kind of speaks to the fact that the stuff that all of us three, I know all three of us right now, are studying things from those guys mm-hmm. written before, I think, most of us were born. So. Yeah. It's well, uh, yeah. So I love to bring the wisdom forward, and and I've studied now, you know, the even further back, obviously, as you were saying, Alan, with the more indigenous. When we talk about that, that's the, you know, the I study the Lakota and the the Aztecs and the Toltecs, mm-hmm. and the, you know, even the the Celtics and the Celts and, and so on, and Druids and all those different organiz or not uh, communities that they had very distinct elements about their culture uh, that were very deliberate. They were very uh, human-centered, very humane. They were they were looking at the big picture always, and I think we fail to do that. Something we get caught up in the race, right? And especially in the branding marketing world. And then with these guys, they were always very clear about like, hey man, no matter what's going on right here, remember the bigger picture and what this is all about. And I think a lot of people these days have failed to even imagine what that would be like to give themselves the space to say like what is this really about what is uh, i was in another conversation last night in another business meeting about defining success we talk about that a lot like what does success mean to you or whatever but we talk about success all the time and so seldomly do we do we see the the discussion come in there about what does success look for look like for us each individually it should be different. <laughs> it should be associated sure. with your history, your story, your journey, your family, your relationships, your your passions, and all those kind of things. That's why I help, you know, as a brand architect, to, to help people to unearth the essence of who they are or their brand or, or both. Unearth. Unearth. These are brand. Unearth. I want to <laughs> unearth right now and really get to the. You know, I think with you, Chris, I would say unleash. How about that? Oh, oh. <laughs> come out with like a solid, you know, drop kick and, you know, just kick some ass. <laughs> right? Right? Last guy, right? so let's, let's well, I mean, you know, come on, like, you know, let's hurry and go. You know, I completely get it because one side of my, you know, life is, is about, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, advancement uh, about, you know, being on the uh, offense, you know, and getting things moving. And then there's there's this big side of me that a lot of people don't see that, you know, mm-hmm. in order to get the energy to be able to do that, I almost have to uh, shut down like a reactor and, and, and really ground myself and then, you know, really, you know, understand what's going on. And then I let it, you know, let it go. And, and, and that's just how I... A pit bull with a tutu. Oh, not a... <laughs> A pit bull with pit bulls. Pit bulls are angry. That's not the pit bulls are great animals. 
because I would say I'm more like a lion. Focused. A lion. Focused. I, I'm more like a lion. You know, when I need to eat, I eat. And yeah. when I like to just lay around and lay around, I like, you know, like I would say that I would fit more of a a lion. Maybe that's why I have a beard. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, I, I like the line. I have one tattooed on my arm. I like it. <laughs> there you go. And there it is. And, and slowly, and slowly, the conversation start, starts to digress away right. from where we are. But you know, that's the bright side of you know where the world's going, Jared. And and you know, it, it takes people like yourself to you know help. And I think when people understand and get a perspective, it's like, well. You know, listen. We're all human. I think the 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 bare essence of of people is to you know be able to give you know give something, give give a hand, give um, you know some love, give a hug, give a smile, you know, give something. And and I think we have so many of those to give away to people that um, you know I, I think uh, the bare essence of people is we're going in the right direction. I, I see a lot of evidence of that. Um, it still might be terrifying uh, in you know people places in the world, but I, I think as time continues to move forward and people get access to information and then they can organize that into some sort of knowledge and then apply it and take actions in, in things that they can do and be encouraged, you know, by, um, you know, uh, culture and also, you know, how they can shape it. I, I think in a lot of ways, the developing countries today have a huge opportunity to develop their culture into a thriving you know, environment, you know, whereby, you know, large industrialist, industrialized, com you know, countries, I think are really going to be slower to see that happen because of how things were developed in the first place. Let's face it. It's, mm. it's, it's a big giant. It's like moving a gorilla or, you know, trying to push a, an elephant um, when they don't want to be pushed. So I think that, you know, the way I'm looking at it is I think the developing countries are, are, are an inspiration to what can happen and, and, and have almost like a, a clean slate if you want. You know, I don't want to say it, it, not necessarily without challenges and, and adversity and all the things that need to happen for progression, but I certainly think it's a cleaner slate than some developed countries uh, in order to get there. So, I think, yeah, and I think it's important as countries are developing to remember, again, to keep their eye on the, the ball, which, which I think really is like, how do we create a more habitable society? How do we create there a, you go. A, a, right. an environment? How do we foster an environment where we can thrive? How do we... Can we all just get along? Right. <laughs> and here comes the tree hugger. Let's go, Alan. Can we not just hug a, a tree, please? Uh, yeah, I, I think we got to keep our eye on the culture thing too. I mean, like, like we want to, we want to carry culture forward. We want to take the elements that work and carry it forward. But culture should be evolving, you know, exponentially. It shouldn't be static. Uh, you know, just like your, you know, spirituality and things like that. All these things and our businesses, <laughs> they should be evolving all the time. Uh, and I think that's important. But we need to, uh, I, to me, evolution is a move more into the direction that helps us thrive. I would not call it, it's more devolution when you go the other way. Like things that, sure. it's not just like things are changing and that's good. It's like, well, well, how are they changing? Are they changing in the right direction? You said that before, the, the right direction. I think that's that's important. Is this something going in the right direction? If so, I'm interested. Go in the right direction, I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> Good yeah. point. Really great point. Hey, these shows go really fast, Jared, and we obviously yes. appreciate your time. And to our audience, uh, you can catch this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, 
course, Podomatic, and we are featuring this show on C-Suite Radio, yes, so we're we really are. excited about that um, as well, and thanks for tuning in and having some good times with us and good laughs, hopefully. You know, yeah. sometimes we're funny, sometimes we're funny. Uh, but uh, Alan, always a pleasure. But before Likewise. we go, I mean, we always have our question, and we're going to squeeze yeah. it in. People thought, where's the question? question. Why, why aren't they telling? Why aren't they going to say the question? Well, I got my pencil. What's that last question. thing? All right, what's that last thing? So, Alan, why don't you do the good pleasure, um, and then we'll wrap it up, and we really appreciate, cool. uh, again, Jared, you coming in, and, and – um, I'll uh, I'll shut down the show after that. So let's do yeah, it, Alan. Awesome, Jared, you rock. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for uh, for being around and and saying yes to a couple of guys a while back that uh, want to bring you into the fold. Uh, you got some great wisdom, my friend, and uh, you've left us with a lot today. But uh, as usual, as Chris said, we want to make sure that we can leave you know one, kind of one little tidbit, one little thing at the end of the. Because people remember what happened at the beginning and happened at the end, right? That's usually – and the stuff that happens in the middle is kind of – it's really good content, but you got to get back in the middle of it. So what wouldn't really one really good act, thought, process, tool could you leave with the audience? Give me something you've already talked a about. A bold one. A bold move that they can use bold move. today as soon as this – as soon as they're done listening to this in their business or in their life. Right on. Well, I think I would, first of all, encourage people to take the time, make the space to step back and say, what is this really about? Like, what am I really, what is the impact? We all have influence, no matter what. We're influencing people everywhere we go, sure. every moment, good or bad. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> How do you want to impact people's lives? How do you want to influence people's lives? How, what do you want them to experience from your presence on this planet? And I'll leave you with one quote. My favorite quote, I use it all the time. I'm quite positive she did not intend this to end up in a branding conversation, but I use it in all my branding, <laughs> coaching, and everything else. Uh, Maya Angelou, uh, saint that she was, uh, she said, people will forget the things that you did. They'll forget the things that you said, but they'll always remember the way that you made them feel. Oh, and when we talk about creating a brand, a beautiful business, a big impact, anything like that, Remember, we think about the world, as Tesla would say, you know, through frequencies and, and, and vibrations and feelings. It's, it's, the, it's how we feel about this stuff. If you can connect with your audience, if you know them and understand them and you can connect with them on, on that level, it's so much easier to sell to them. It's so much easier to engage with them, and it's so much easier to serve them with excellence. I love that. Beautifully said. It's awesome. Boom. Boom. Yeah. And I love the fact that you talked about feeling and, and, and frequency because that's exactly, yeah. you know, if you think about uh, music, for example, yeah. you know, we feel music, mm -hmm. it's but it's made with, it's made with, you know, stuff, instruments. And, uh, you know, it's a great uh, way to look at yourself as being an instrument, mm -hmm. right? And that instrument thing then, you know, pr provides that frequency or the sound into the, into the universe. So I've written that. Before. What kind of instrument do you want to be? Right. Yeah. Don't be a tool. Be an instrument. <laughs> we have we have another podcast coming up on yeah, that on that for topic sure. right there. Hey, it's listen, everybody. We really appreciate uh, you being on, Alan. Always a pleasure, Jared. Thanks Likewise. for coming on. We're going to see you again. We're going to talk about the body and the instrument that you are. Uh, that'll be a good podcast show. But thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You have a great day, and it wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.